This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, joining Charlie, as per usual here in the studio, as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, is Frankie Proctor, and uh, as a sous chef of the garden. The yeah. under, under, under un- undergarden. You know, <laughs> I was thinking Sorry. of you just the other day. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm sure you're having lovely thoughts. Oh, it's wonderful. We've had some gorgeous weather of late. True. I was out the other day enjoying the shade of an Acer macro film and it was just delightful what's a macro film that's a broadleaf maple oh. <laughs> just make that <laughs> no i looked it up i looked it up i said uh, all maples have broad leaves well, well generally not but all. it's the common latin term <laughs> acer macro film and i thought surely you'd fall out of your chair <laughs> surely surely okay acer is maple no question okay. yes i know all that's right. good but i've just quite never heard the term macro film well, but you're right it's actually phylum is is leaf <laughs> I and macro she, is large I knew she'd get me. <laughs> but i've never heard of i'm gonna have to look that one up but all yes right. i we do love our acer phylum all right yes. very good i yeah. sit corrected no 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 and, it's fine it's all good and I'm, i love it when you throw latin terms around it just well, raises the hairs on the back of my neck. Wow! Ooh, good heavens! <laughs> All right, you wild animal, you. All right, look at I got to get the phone numbers on the air here. Okay, if you'd like to get hold of Charlie and boy, would I ever like to right now? Anyway, uh, the phone number in Toronto four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere in the province, it is toll free one eight six six seven forty. Four seven forty, and call early. Call often. One question per call. If you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know he's returned from his trip across the big pond. Oh, good point. Yeah, it was I think in Spain. For God's sake. Wait, sakes. wait, no, that's Sebastian. Oh, wait, yeah. Sebastian also went away. That's yeah, right. Damien went. Yeah, no, no, everybody's gone. Young away. men they get but to travel. It's just not if fair. If you are a first-time caller, let let Sebastian know and. That's what you're going to hear just before you get to the airwaves, your garden wings. Okay, I stand corrected. There is such a thing. Notice on your computer screen, Acer macrophyllum means big leaf maple. There you go. It's a. It's also known as an Oregon maple. It's a large deciduous tree. It can grow really big, and it's usually found in um, Southern California. Well, I thought I'd throw that so- with you <laughs> at you rather than the, um, you know, uh, uh, metasequoia streptostrobodes. That's a good which one. Is, yeah, red. Uh, Dawn. Uh, red. Dawn. Dawn. Red Dawn, yes. Dawn Redwood. Dawn Redwood. <laughs> oh, stop. Okay. I see the calls are coming in. Do you have any little uh, yes, announcements yes, you have? Yes, share. I'm just having too much fun <laughs> listening to you <laughs> garble the Latin. Sorry. It's very good. Very good. Uh, all right. Coming up. Um, today. 
Today, the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is hosting their annual judged flower show and tea room, door prizes and more. Free admission from 2 to 4 at the Scarborough Village Rec Center, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. The Durham Master Gardeners, and they are one organized, Mm -hmm. really great group, I'll tell you. So the Durham Master Gardeners are inviting everyone to their upcoming open house. It's Thursday, September 27th at 6.30 p.m. All gardening friends are invited to join for what promises to be a very interesting evening with a featured talk by avid gardener and author Lorraine Johnson. And you remember Lorraine. She was here on our show. Yes. Uh, her subject, her topic is Tending the Earth, How Our Gardens Can Change the World. The event takes place at the King Street Community Church, 611 King Street West in Oshawa. Cost is $10 a person. There will be book signings, refreshments, vendors. So it's, it's a big deal. Displays, door prizes. Registration is requested, but tickets are available at the door. So for more information, www.durhammastergardeners.ca. Um, I have an update because <clears throat> I did do my homework mm-hmm. from last week, uh, but I will tell you that later. You know, the, the person with the elder, elder bear. I couldn't read my writing. It's either Teresa or Therese. Probably Teresa. But anyway, she was calling from Mississauga, but her elder and parts You've of it were dying. Okay. I did my homework. All so I'll right. report back on that. So hopefully everybody's going to listen with their pencils poised to take notes. <laughs> okay. Oh, and well, no, yes. uh, just quickly. Yep. It's that time of year where I know it's fall. And like you said, beautiful weather. 21st. Hanging yeah. out under the you know shade mm-hmm. of the beautiful big maples. Um, this is our last Saturday of summer. Yeah. Next week we'll be into into autumn, so it's time to think about spring, uh, because of course we don't want to get all bogged down into the winter concept and and you know all the frost and snow and stuff. Let's think about spring. Let's think about bulbs because now's the what time do to be now. buying and planting yeah. mm-hmm. for spring. And of course, flowering bulbs, spring flowering bulbs are so important to support the all the the insects when they first wake up. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing blooming, and they're all buzzing around looking for some nectar or some pollen, and there's nothing for them to get yeah. unless you've got flowering bulbs. So just a, just a little Those aside. pollinators need your help, right? They do, yeah. they do. And there's a very simple, easy um, company that's right here based mm-hmm. in, in, in Ontario and easy to remember, Flower Bulbs Are Us. So flowerbulbsrus.com. Mm-hmm. Flower Bulbs Are Us. Lovely website. You can order off of the web and uh, have bulbs delivered to your front door and get them in the ground before frost. Oh, a good idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. A little work set up for you by Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener here on Zoomer Radio. And we're going to return and have uh, chats with our listeners. As a matter of fact, Mary Jane, very patiently waiting there in Welland. Mary Jane, we're going to be along to you momentarily here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, we've also got Mary Jane waiting on the line there in the Welland. Good morning, Mary Jane. Hi. Hi there. Um, uh, you're three for three for all the other things I've asked you about. You're actually really quite amazing. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I thought she was talking uh, to me. I was, can we, could you just say that a couple more times? No, it's all right. <laughs> you're, you're amazing. I'll say it over and over. Um, I have this nine bark. Uh, it's an absolutely gorgeous thing. I've never had one before, mm-hmm. but it is so wide yeah. <laughs> now. I, I, I'm, I don't know how... Radical, I can be pruning it. I've moved some of the things that it was actually growing over on, over on, but 
it's like it's just how, really how wide. How wide is it? Oh, like five or six feet, or oh yeah, oh oh, oh even more than at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, okay. it's, so, it's really wide. And it's a, it's a green... <laughs> so I do, like, I don't know. I've never had one before. I don't want to hurt it because no. it's an absolutely gorgeous thing. I don't know how... I know I've heard you say before you're not supposed to take more than a third mm-hmm. off. At any one time. Kind of a rule of thumb. Yeah, rule of thumb. Um, But quick question, is it a green-leafed variety? No, it's brown. Oh, it's like the purple leaves. Okay. Yeah. So for people that don't know what nine bark is, like... I, don't I know was just going to ask. Does, I had no idea. Uh, it is a shrub. It is a flowering shrub, and it's, um, as Mary Jean is saying, it's gorgeous, and it gets these great flowers, and then after the flowers, it may or may not set some fruit, but it's, you know, again, pollinator-friendly um, and very pretty, but very vigorous and large-growing. Tends to grow in kind of a, a wide, not so tall. So it's, it's, right now, is it wider than it is tall? Oh, yes. And how many years ago did you plant that? What? Uh, three. Only this three is years third ago. Year. Wow. Whatever you're you, doing, you're doing well. I was going to well, say. Well, I live in Welland. I yeah. mean, you can, this is gardener's paradise down I know. there. I mean, you can grow. You just put it in the ground and it Everything grows. Everything grows. And you don't do, like, big fertilizing or anything like that? Yeah, I should go No, I the... miracle grows probably twice. Okay, stop. Um, no more. Early spring and then... <laughs> A little later. All right, so don't do that anymore because it'll just you'll just encourage all that massive growth. Okay. I mean, you might want to do it on other plants, but you might want to avoid the nine bark. Right. So because the natural form of this plant does tend to be wide rather than tall, and you always have to go to what is the natural form when it comes to pruning. You know, that's what I want. I want to shape it. Yeah, and and you can shear it, like truly shear it. You know, the old Edward Scissorhands blades, long um, shearing. Loppers, yeah. More than loppers, like the long long blades. So loppers just means long handles um, with a with for, for pruning, but um, shaping shears they're called. They're real shears, and you can shear that plant, but at the most a third. Um, okay. You should do it in the fall now, or you could do it right after it blooms next year. And of course, it blooms kind of late spring. So right. the but you could do it now this fall. Uh, it probably. I don't know how hot it's going to be in Welland. Like, you never want to do pruning when it's too hot. Uh, so you could even wait a week or so just till it cools down a tiny bit. But, oh, it's um, stifling down here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so it's really hot. I bet it is because it's, it's yeah. very humid here in Toronto and you're just that much warmer where you are. So okay. I'd be inclined to not do anything too dramatic today. But certainly okay. within the next week to 10 days, you should be able to do a lot of that sort of fall. fall we'll be into true autumn and then you can get into some fall maintenance. And taking huh. it back by a third... Uh, look down, get down on your hands and knees, though. Get, look at what's going on at the bottom. There might be branches that are growing from the center to the outside of the plant that are forcing that wideness to take place. So that's where you get in there with your loppers, like Frank mentioned, and literally lop off if there's a couple of big, big branches down there that will help narrow the plant a bit. Actually, do that. There are some that are growing like about two inches from the ground. Yeah, yeah. You you could remove some of those, or at least remove. Yeah, just look. It's one of those things. Like you got to sort of study, study the structure of the plant, and sort of go. Okay, there's probably they're vigorous, so there's probably some crossed branches, et cetera, et cetera. So just go in there, thin out some of that growth if you can, and at at the end of the day, the whole plant should be smaller. Okay, let us know how you make out on that, Mary Jane. Okay. They also prone to powdery mildew. Yes. 
Yes, <laughs> I've been taking that off. I don't have as much this year as I had last, last year, year, so yeah. I think I'm winning. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that's the Diablo is the version of Nine Bark that, that mm-hmm. um, what Mary Jane's got, and it does get that white powdery mildew when it gets really, really humid. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mary Jane, for joining us here on a Saturday morning from Zoomer Radio. Off to Newcastle we go. There's Donna. Good morning, Donna. Welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. I'm calling uh, because I have a problem with my lawn. Mm-hmm. What's that? Um, I have some very large patches that are bare and brown. Um, Some are large and some are small in one particular area of my lawn. And they started to show up around six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's familiar. Yeah, sounds like slugs to me. And grubs. Grubs, actually. (laughs) Grubs. It's likely grubs that have hatched about six weeks ago. And they were tiny, tiny, tiny little grubs. But in the last six weeks, they've been chewing on the roots of your grass Mm -hmm. and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So one of the ways you can go to ensure that it is grubs, tug on some of those yellow blades of grass. And if they just come up very easily with no roots attached, you know something's down there chewing on the roots. Okay, done that. And And yes, they did come away very easily. So this is the time of year to use the nematodes. Uh, The important thing about using nematodes is you must follow the directions to the letter. Uh, You will not be highly effective unless you absolutely follow the instructions. It's all about moisture. So the best time to be applying the nematodes is right after a rain or perhaps do you do you have sprinklers or irrigation at all on your lawn i'm sorry do we have one do you put sprinklers on your lawn at yes, all do. you mm-hmm. do yeah so it's not huge it's not sometimes people call from places like newcastle and they're like well it's like a five acre lawn yeah. so just yeah, checking yeah, it is quite a large is area uh, quite a large lawn yes so wa- okay we do have rain in the forecast because we have mm-hmm. remember the remnants of hurricane florence coming through sometime in the next couple of days mm-hmm. get a hold of some nematodes be poised and ready to go with the nematodes right after the rain Right after the rain. Because okay. you've got to be a moist, moist soil is absolutely mm-hmm. imperative. You mix the nematodes with water. You sprinkle them where the yellow patches are. You don't have to do your entire lawn, but mm-hmm. you do need to put the nematodes where the grubs are. And then water in, typically, because the little nematode eggs travel in water to get down uh-huh. to where the grubs are. So it's got to be good availability of moisture and you'll be very successful. Okay. Now, is there any? What about chinch bugs? I've also heard of chinch bug. Is that um, could that be the problem also? It could be. There is absolutely no um, way. There's nothing to control chinch bug. There isn't, eh? No. Okay. Other than fertilizing, top dressing, overseeding, the mm-hmm. kinds of things that we should be doing later in the fall anyway. Right. Uh, fall fertilizing is important for our lawns. Always top dressing and overseeding is the, the new mantra now that we don't use things like Killex and all those other chemicals we used to use. Right. It's, yeah. it's so I could, preventative. So after I've done, uh, put the nematodes on the, on the uh, lawn mm-hmm. and watered them in, can I now seed and topsoil it or is it... Yep. A, uh, would it be too soon, or nope. can I start to try to uh, right away. rejuvenate it now? Yep, right away. There's nothing toxic about the nematodes. The main thing is get them down with water, and then and don't worry about walking on them. You know, get out there, do your top dressing, and it's a very good time to be overseeding, absolutely. And the next month or so will be fall fertilizing. Okay. Thanks, Donna. Donna, we have to move along here. Yeah, that's uh, a, the these are big questions yeah, everybody has, eh? <laughs> but we'll do our best. To, uh, we'll, we will. Yes, <laughs> Did we, you catch the royal we? 
All righty. Uh, let me repeat the phone numbers <laughs> because we're going to have a couple of free lines in just a moment. 416-360-0740 here in Toronto. And then anywhere in the province, toll free to reach Charlie. one 866 Back to have a word with Gail here in Toronto in just a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, as promised, here is Gail just around the corner here in Toronto. Good morning, Gail. Oh, good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Um, I have a Christmas cactus that I've had for a few years. I think it's about three or four years. Mm -hmm. And it was doing really well. And then suddenly it started, well, bits of it fell off. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's a strange shape. It's kind of long now (laughs) instead of the way it should be. And little pieces keep falling off it. So, it, and if you felt the soil right now, what would the soil feel like? Uh, at the moment, it's fairly dry. Okay. So yeah. the trick with, uh, yeah, I mean, it is possible that it will, the little segments break off. Right, and, right. And that can happen on either end of the spectrum. So not enough water or mm-hmm. too much water, and either can cause that, that sort of spontaneous dropping of leaves, if you yeah. will. So which of those it is, I'm not sure, because mm-hmm. only you would know. I can tell you at home, I'm, I'm, very, I'm a very bad plant mother, really, <laughs> of my indoor plants. At this time of year, I'm so busy outdoors, I ignore everything indoors. Yeah, and my Christmas yeah. cactus, I think it probably went, I don't know, a month or more with no water. Oh, and when I did finally look at it, it was doing just like you said. It was like, I looked at it, and it started dropping, just falling <laughs> to the yeah, table. Yeah, big chunks come off. And I'm like, oh, it's certainly not overwatered. <laughs> it's definitely been under watered okay so it, it um so that's the thing is you want it to dry out between waterings but water thoroughly when you do water okay and get it outside if you can if the christmas cactus love to be out in our sunshine and rainwater and all that important stuff and they love a little bit of frost as well oh they do yeah that's what gets them blooming Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, I had a friend who kept saying I should put it outside. That's why. You want to get outside and leave it outside till we've had some light frost. Oh. And when you bring it in, it's covered in buds. Wow. Oh, well, then I'll do that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, thanks very much, Charlie. You're very welcome. I love that. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Gail, uh, here on The Garden Show as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Pretty day we've got going out there right now. Oh, it's gorgeous. Let's see what's happening in Burlington. There's Joan. Good morning, Joan. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. This spring I bought a really nice potted plant. It had uh, fibrous begonias and calla lilies, the tall Mm. lilies. Nice. Now, I, I really enjoyed it over the summer. Can I just leave those lilies in the pot in the garage over the winter? What uh, do I do does your garage freeze? Um, not if I keep it right up near the wall, no. Okay, yep. As long as you can keep it above zero, those callas will die if they are exposed to frost. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they'll just turn to mush, basically. But sure, you can leave them in the pot. That's always the easiest way by far. Yeah. Uh, but wait, of course, wait till they, the frost has dropped all the uh, above ground foliage. You know, light frost goes through, everything collapses to the ground, the begonias, the, the calla lilies, and 
Oh, they're fibrous begonias, you said. So they're definitely not tuberous begonias. No, I usually take them out if yeah. Yeah, and then um, yeah, and then just the callus, just let the all cut away all that mushy foliage after that frost has happened. Mm-hmm. No water, of course. Allow that pot to become quite dry, uh, and at that point, same. You know, you could be bringing it into your garage and just. Uh, sometimes I'll I'll um to try and moderate in my garage and see if I can get things to survive. I'll use old blank or a cardboard box with a pot inside and then crumpled up newspaper around the pot mm-hmm. just because you're, you're trying to sort of um, capture some air around the plant because the air will buffer the cold temperatures. Uh, a plastic bag wouldn't do it. No, no plastic. No, okay. no it's a living, living thing. So you don't want to put it in plastic because it'll die. Mm-hmm. It's got to be able to breathe. Um, but, it, you know, just hit, you know, str- bales of straw, of course, if you had room in your garage for such a thing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, all blankets work well. Just that, just that um, idea of a little bit of insulation around the, the pot before winter sets in. I know my neighbor puts her hostas in there every year. She's been doing that for I don't know how many years now. Hostas um, are t- much tougher than calla lilies, though, yeah, right? Yeah. Because a hosta will, I mean, I have hostas that sit above ground in pots outside year-round and don't ever even consider dying. So hostas are super tough. Callas are, are not as, they are more tender. They're not as tough. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right, Joan, thanks for joining us yeah. here on The Garden It's always Show. nice to try new ideas, yeah. right? New ways to overwinter sure. and also keep it simple. Like, mm-hmm. don't make life complicated if you don't have to. I mean, uh, Dougald Cameron, who is like the bulb guy, the biggest expert on bulbs anywhere in Canada, really, is Dougald Cameron. He was one who said... Don't bother taking things out of pots. Just put the pot in the basement or the coal cellar yep. or the garage, whatever makes sense. It works. Well, there you and go. And it does. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. The old kiss theory. Yeah. Um, gee, we got a couple of lines open now that we've uh, said goodbye to Joan there. Uh, but remember, so, I still have homework to, oh, yeah, to okay. report uh, on. Let me, let me do the phone lines again, and okay. then maybe you cover that homework, okay? And we'll be along. To, Not to uh, mention a few emails. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, in <laughs> Toronto, folks, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Charlie? Oh, yes, sir. All right. Well, I'd like to report on the homework that I did not know the answer to the question last week. To For Teresa, she was calling from Mississauga. She... Excuse me, lemony lace elderberry that was suddenly uh, branches were just wilting before her very eyes. <coughs> she wondered if perhaps it was a fungus or what was going on. As far as I can tell, Teresa and anybody else who's had this problem with their elderberries, there aren't any traditional fungal diseases that attack elderberries. But there is something called the elder shoot borer. And the elder shoot borer, so it's a boring insect, the larval stage, so the larva looks like a little caterpillar uh, of this borer, is a worm, obviously, that bores in the stems and shoots. Mm -hmm. So the adult moth, it starts with an adult, the moth lays eggs in July and August, so, you know, a month or so ago, in canes that are at least one year old. Eggs hatch the following spring, so April or May. The larvae feed first within the unfolding leaves, then they bore into new shoots. When partially grown, these little larvae that are chowing down on your lovely elder, they migrate to the ground shoots, entering these at the base and feeding upwards into the shoots. So you've got the eggs on the surface of the plant. You've got the eggs hatching in the spring. Little tiny caterpillars start chewing the leaves, and that's, that's when you need to be watching for them. So April, May... Visit your elders, 
not people, but elderberry, <laughs> plants, shrubs, uh, and go double check that there's nothing chewing on the leaves. If there is, get out your safer soap or your bug be gone or whatever, because you don't want those caterpillars to move to the next stage, which is to move to the bottom, enter the plant at the bottom and start uh, boring up through the center of the plant, actually killing stems, which is what I think some people have seen. So if that were to happen, if you do find that you've got a whole branch of your elderberry is all shriveled up and brown mm-hmm. and, and dead. Prune out any infested canes. Make sure you are sterilizing your pruners in between. And get rid pruning. of the... Absolutely. Yeah. Eliminate those canes to discourage the pupation, right? You don't want the next stage. You don't want more eggs getting laid. Remove all those canes with any with holes, any with a lot of death. And um, yeah, right into green garbage bags, into the landfill. Or if you're in a situation where you have a burn pile, burn that. You do right. not want those hanging around with the insects in them. Okay. Okay. Very good. Uh, Margaret that... <clears throat> in Cambridge, next on the line here. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Morning. Hi. I've got a um, boxwood mm-hmm. that's been in the pot for a while. Mm-hmm. It's completely root-bound. Mm-hmm. There's hardly no dirt left in it. Oh, poor thing, yes. Okay, can I just cut the, like, Get rid of some of these roots. Uh, okay, so why? You want it to live in the pot it's in now? No, I want to put it in the ground. Oh, okay. So, yes. So, uh, and is it just a, in a plastic pot right now? Yes. All right. So, you may have to cut the pot off. And when you do, you're going to discover, like you said, you're going to have this mass of roots that are all in the shape of that pot. Yes, I've already done that. Okay. That's- yeah, that's so that's why there's no dirt. That's how you recognize there's no soil in there. So rather than removing roots, what I do is I'll use a sharp knife, uh, or I have um, a couple of tools that I use for this kind of thing, and you, you're going to slice. How do I explain this? So standing the the boxwood plant on the ground with Mm -hmm. the root uh, sitting on the surface of the soil and the foliage at the top, so just like it was sitting in the pot, imagine vertical cuts into that that root ball all the way around. You could actually do slightly even diagonal slices into the root ball, uh, half an inch, three quarters of an inch in. Don't take anything away. Just do this slicing, do slices about every three or four inches all the way around the root ball. Okay. Upside down, put a big X in the bottom of the root ball, slicing again a good half an inch to three quarters of an inch into that root-bound root ball. Big X. With your fingers, you can loosen those roots a bit at the bottom, sort of peel it open a tiny bit. Meanwhile, you've got your uh, planting hole ready to go, and you've got your nice nice soil. The plant is going to be so happy for some soil. (laughs) And of course, you're into the ground, same level as it was in the pot. Water thoroughly, and that plant will thank you very, very much for many years to come. Okay, should I put uh, bone meal on top or not? I'm a pretty big fan of using bone meal as a root. It encourages roots, but not on the top. Put it into the uh, one handful into the planting hole. Oh, is that the way you do it? Yeah, you want to get oh. that bone meal down where the roots are. It's, okay. it's all about <clears throat> encouraging roots because it's phosphorus, right? So it, you're giving pure phosphorus, mm-hmm. uh, just a, ha- a handful into the hole, mix it around a bit, drop your pot, your, your plant in. Oh, okay. That sounds good. Thanks okay. a lot. You're very welcome. Thank you, Margaret. Another happy customer <laughs> here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Um, just ahead of us, we have a, a first-time caller nice. uh, from oh, your arms Chautauqua, did... oh. New York, and I'm going to be ringing that bell Sweet. for Claire in moments. Okay. Stay tuned. 
change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, yes. let me get that bell out here. All right. Hey, there Ooh, it is. Baby. That is for Claire, who lives in Chautauqua in New York State. Good morning. <laughs> morning and welcome. Hi, Claire. <laughs> Thank you. You have wings. <laughs> What's going on in Chautauqua? Um, I need information on trimming um, lace cap hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this the right time of the year to do that? I wouldn't. They should. Do they have any flowers on them right now? Oh, yes, but they're um, they're like has been flowers. They were pretty, but they're they've seen a better time. <laughs> well, okay. So if you don't like the look of the the flowers once they're finished, then you can definitely right. go in and, and just trim off the flowers and stick those into the composter. I would not do any radical trimming on the hydrangeas otherwise. Uh, at, at any time of year, you can remove brown, crispy, dead material off of any plant. So right. some people like the look of the, the hydrangea flowers when they're finished they, right. because they are kind of bronzy and they're kind of pretty in the winter, so they'll leave them and then do all their trimming in the spring. But if if you don't like it, just take away the flowers now, allow the green leaves to be green leaves, and then next spring, hard prune the whole thing back. Personally, I bring my lace caps down to about an inch tall. Really? Yeah, Oh, yeah. that's great information. Yeah, Thank right. you. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> okay. I enjoy the show. Thank, thank you. for your work. Well, thank oh, you, Claire. Our pleasure. Yep. We'll, uh, we'll think of you next week when you tune in and maybe call in again, that's too. That's right. Okay. Don't be a stranger. Claire from Chautauqua. All righty. Uh, in Hamilton, Carol, good morning. Welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Charlie, I've called you before and talked to you about my window boxes, but mm-hmm. this year I put in some of those mounding petunias. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it looked terrible for about the last month. Oh. Yeah, and I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? Like, I used to have huge perennial beds. Right. And I've gone from, you know, working in the ground mm-hmm. and now working in Above. window boxes. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I'm doing something wrong. How big are the window boxes? Uh, they're quite a good size. They're nice and deep. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Like deep as in like a couple of feet deep? Uh, no, they're... Um, you know, they're not like the usual ones you can buy at, say, yeah, Walmart like or something. Four inches These deep. These ones yeah. are quite a bit deeper. I'd say they're about 10 inches. Okay. And, um, and of course, they're in full sun? Well, I get, like, when we, get, when we start off in, you know, May, June, mm. I get sun from about 1 o'clock on till it sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, now I'm starting to lose it a bit because yeah. the sun's going down on the sky. Yeah. So, but, you know, they yeah. just haven't held up very well. And so when you call them mounding petunias, they, do, you, do you remember what they were called? Were they, they weren't called like wave petunias, were they? No. Oh. There's so many kinds of petunias these days. Yeah. They should I, do, I, it sounds like you're in a western exposure, which petunias should do fine. Uh, so the soil in your window boxes, how long has that soil been in there? Oh, I change it every year. Wow, that's a lot of soil. Yeah, I, I do. I change it every year to give it fresh soil because I think that would help the plants more. You don't have to. As if, if the neighborhood cats are not using your window boxes as litter boxes, you, <laughs> you do not need to change that soil every year. Well, I live in an apartment, so I'm on the second floor, so I don't have that problem. <laughs> but that's a lot of work, dragging soil up and down or just dumping off the side of your balcony. Oh, how, no. No, how no, do you no. Cl- I haul it. Wow. That's a lot of hauling. I can't mm. believe you do that. 
you don't need to do that, just so you know. I mean, if you want to, you can, but you don't need to. It's a Is great... Is there another type of plant I could use, Charlie, that would look nice? Uh, there's lots of great plants for window boxes. Uh, and you want that idea of the trailing uh, and watering. Uh, are, uh, with all this heat, were you like watering every day or how were you doing your I watering? I have a water meter, so I check. Okay, okay. And fertilizer. Were you fertilizing? Um, well, the soil I put in it had fertilizer that was supposed to be good for three months. Okay, so it was a potting soil or soilless yeah. mix? No, it was it was soil for outdoors, like. Okay, so here's the rule now. I'm going to tell you these rules. Okay. Number one, when you're planting in a pot, you must use a potting soil or a soil soilless mix for container gardening. Okay. It is possible that what you've got in your in your window boxes is a soil that's more designed for the ground. So oh. uh, like a, um, a garden soil or a triple mix. In-ground soils tend to be much, much heavier than container mixes, which are much lighter. So it could be that the reason your petunias have struggled is because of the soil. So remember that next year. If, If indeed that's what you've got in there, then do empty it. But next time you go to fill it, don't feel like you have to empty it. It is more expensive. The The soilless mixes, you know, for a, a bag of that, it might be $20 versus $3 for a bag of garden soil or triple mix. So the price difference is for a reason. You you will pay more, but you need to, to get a soilless container gardening mix into your boxes, and then everything will be happy. Well, I thought I was doing okay because the, the bag said... Or outdoor or indoor plants. Oh, all right. So if it is, so I'm okay. thinking it must be okay. Yeah, it could be. Then if it's indoor, meaning it's indoor in containers. Um, all right. Then the only other thing I would say is those soilless mixes or those mixes often come with what we call a nutrient charge. But it said right on the bag, fer- has fertilizer will fertilize for up to three months. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Who's the manufacturer on that soil? Do you know? Oh, I think it or- was probably Miracle Grow or something oh, okay. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My all right. Well, I'm puzzled too. So what I would say that because Miracle Grow makes good products, um, I would suggest then it's perhaps just the the choice of petunias. Maybe they were too jammed in there, and then they just were competing heavily with each other. Well, um, I only put three in each box. Yeah, which, and they're good sized boxes. Yeah, so um, I'm thinking they had enough room. Another thing would be thinking. I love nasturtiums. I don't know if you love nasturtiums like I, I do, do, but they love the heat and they love to trail out of boxes and. And of course, you can eat every part of the plant. So right. when you're out tending your nasturtiums, you can be Have snacking. Snack. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Eating the flowers and leaves. Um, and they don't need nearly as much water as petunias. Like they thrive on neglect. So in a sense, you might like something like nasturtiums because you could sort of plant them and, and not care for them as carefully as you have had to do with the petunias, or vice versa, you love all that caring, then maybe think about begonias next year, something that would love all the attention. So it would have to be like sunshine begonias? Uh, well, there's sunshine impatience that could work there. Uh, and there are some begonias. Well, many of the tuberous begonias will go with either sun or shade. Okay. 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 Thank That's you. That's great. Thank you, Carol, Carol, very much. We really miss your request show. Oh, Frank, they oh, miss your request that, show. Thank you very much. I'll I'll remind management of that. That's right. <laughs> See if we can get that Write back. letters. Let's start a petition. Yes. We want Frank with his request show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll wave the flag. Okay. Uh, meantime, let me mention uh, a, a little town called Tilsonburg. What name comes to mind? Warner. Mm-hmm. Warner. He's waiting on the line. He's going to be along with us right after Warner, these Warner, the man with the milk and the tomatoes. You got it. Right here in the garden show.
Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef. <laughs> Let me say that again. Sous chef of The Garden. Franklin. Frank. Saying good morning to Warner out there in Telsonburg. Hi, Warner. Hello. Frank. Good morning. <laughs> At least I know what you look like now, Frank. Oh, oh, really? What all of you? Not, uh, I, I listen to you guys all the time, and on the iPad, I can get oh, into the station. There uh, you go. Yes, we are broadcast, and, and I, I sound a lot taller than I am. <laughs> hey, yes, you're accepted. <laughs> How are your tomatoes, Warner? Oh, I got lots. I bet you still still got lots. I bet. But they're uh, they're green. Usually, mm-hmm. last year I had them almost up till late fall. When, I have a lot of green. When it gets lousy, I put them in the garage yeah. on, on a towel. Oh yeah, on a towel. And feed them from there. They, and they'll they'll turn because uh, I usually I do the newspaper trick. I learned yeah. from my mother. Oh. Yeah. oh yeah. Green tomatoes turn red if you wrap them in newspaper. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's all it's all ethylene. But nevertheless, yeah. So I've got lots of green myself. I think it's that heat. It was just so hot for so long. The tomatoes just hung there waiting uh, yeah. for uh, for the, for the next stage. So um, yeah. But they've been great. Tomatoes been great this year. What's <laughs> going on in your garden other than your tomatoes? Uh, one one more shot. You uh, said Warner from Tilsonburg with the milk and tomato. You forgot the Epsom. I know, I know. I I went and hit the microphone too fast there. I was going to say it. Milk, tomatoes, and Epsom salts. (laughs) And water. Anyway, uh, grass seed. Yes. Charlie. Mm Mm-hmm. When is the best time to put that down? Now. Now in the fall. Of course, today's a bit of a warm day, but you, you could certainly put the grass seed down. The best time by far to plant grass seed is in the, the fall or autumn because the soil is nice and warm and the seed loves that nice warm soil. And if we get fall rain, the seed will grow very quickly, germinate very quickly and fill in very quickly compared to the spring when, you know, seed will grow eventually, but it's a much slower process because you've got the cold spring rains on that cold frozen soil or just thawing soil, and it's a much slower process to germinate the seeds. Yeah. Well, the the thing is this. I I do what you say all the time. I was just wondering, if I put it down now, we've got good weather, Mm -hmm. it'll take a hold. Will it be too soon? Should I wait no. longer? No, I don't think so. It, it's more just connected to rain because, uh-huh. you know, the seed must be kept consistently moist in order for <laughs> it to germinate. So it's really just a more of a lifestyle question. If it's going to be 35 degrees, I would say don't even bother, like wait until we're down into the 20s. But I think we are looking at pretty steady 20s uh, or, and even down into the teens at night, which is perfect. That's perfect grass seed uh, germinating okay. weather. Okay. I got a lot of competition around the neighbors. Oh, because I, oh all, uh, I hear you. Irrigation systems. Yeah, and I hear you. Ask me how come you got such nice grass? <laughs> grass does not live from water alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're going to be calling us next year with your secret tips on how to have the greenest lawn in the neighborhood. I bet. Yeah, there you go. Little hey, Epsom hey, salt. Hey, <laughs> good talking to you guys. Thanks hey, for calling. Thanks for calling. We're always always great to check in with you in Tilsonburg. There. I, I love that. I love. Yeah. I love the the green lawn competition. Yeah, it's yeah. so cute. Because I have a retired, actually he's Dutch. 
no surprise, the best lawn by far in the neighborhood. And I always joke with him. I'm always going, oh, man, you got that prize again. <laughs> again. You know, it's and like, I'm the master gardener and you killed and, me? And yeah. all you are is some retired Dutchman. But, you know, <laughs> nevertheless, he has, he has yeah. a really good lawn. <laughs> well, I think we're probably along to our final caller uh, this morning, uh, okay. Gloria in uh, Toronto. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Charlie and Frank. Thank you. Um, I've called before, but mm-hmm. maybe many months before. No, oh, no worries. Welcome back. Thank you. And I, I have a beautiful hibiscus in a huge pot that mm-hmm. I have upstairs in my uh, south window. Okay. And then in the uh, sum- summertime, when it's warm enough to put it out, I put it out all summer long, mm-hmm. and it's been blooming beautiful yellow Great. and, and red-centered flowers. Sweet. Now, I want to know, um, we've had such um, up-and-down weather, uh, the best time to bring them in, because the evenings have been cool. Oh, not too cool for the hibiscus. They don't you, mind. You, no, the only, if we go less than... You know, much less than 10 degrees Celsius, so anything under 50 degrees, uh-huh. I'd be considering getting it into the house. So watch the weather, obviously. <clears throat> but what you'll want to do, two things I like to do now with plants like this. Mm-hmm. If you can move it now into a less sunny location, so a little less sun, a little more shade while it's still outside, mm-hmm. that will help prepare the plant for coming indoors because no matter how perfect your southern window is inside, it's still less light than there is outside. That's for sure. So yes. to, to lessen the shock of the outside to inside, I like to, if I can, get, you know, in 10 days or so for the plant in the shade outside uh-huh. before it comes inside into the sun window. So that will just help, like I said, with, with leaf drop. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it's just more of a watching the weather. Mm-hmm. And you probably need some help moving that in. It's such a big plant. Oh, yes. I have a neighbor. Uh, he, he comes in and helps me take it upstairs. Good. Uh, now, right now, it's on my deck. Mm-hmm. I have an arbor that goes over mm-hmm. so it doesn't get direct hot sun oh, okay. on it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Okay. And it's in, uh, in a um, west. It's Right. My garden is facing west. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to leave it there until it yeah. gets a little cooler, you're yeah, saying, and you, then bring I, you've it got, in. Exactly. You've got a couple of weeks, I would say, and uh-huh. and then it's a question of, ex- um, yeah, exactly, just the idea of <clears throat> making sure there's no, you're not bringing in any um, anybody who's riding alongside, inside the plant. So I should spray it with uh, something. Well, water is a good start. Just uh-huh. give it a good spray with water. Any little spiders that might be on mm-hmm. it, just, you, you just want to kind of blow everybody off. Right. And, and a good thorough watering before yeah. you bring it in. Sometimes people will use a soapy solution just to uh, ensure that, the again, anything on it has left. Okay. But don't uh-huh. be spraying any soaps on any plants in full sun on a hot day. So no, make no. sure that's an early or late in the day kind of a process. Yeah. And then water to wash off the soap. Okay. Now, should I fertilize this through? I have done it. and yeah, I'm, yeah. I don't get many flowers, but should I fertilize through the winter months? There's two schools of thought on that. One is continue to definitely continue to fertilize if it's flowering. If it has slowed down in its flowering, 
I personally would slow down on my fertilizing because otherwise you're just getting a huge plant. It just depends how big you want it to be, right? The more you fertilize, the bigger it gets. We, we're uh, I gotta go. Time. We we're gotta go, Gloria. Thank you so much for <laughs> all of those good questions because we're all about bringing in our outdoor stuff right now. We'll talk more about that next week. You got it. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. Couldn't do any of this without your help. And Sebastian's back from his travels around the world. Couldn't couldn't do it without him, though we tried while he was away. <laughs> and thanks to all our great callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.